Okay, class. Today we're gonna start with the basics. guys and welcome to the new life Lutheran podcast where a new life through christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the christian life with excellence daniel's nodding and laughing because i did not forget it this time thank you guys for listening um i'm pastor eric uh and as you guys may have heard from last week's episode uh this episode which was recorded way back in uh march or whenever it was is that right march yes it was way back in march April, maybe um, it was it was lost into the Internet ether somewhere. Um, so one of the one of the gremlins that lives in the church uh, got it. Um, and uh, so we lost it, but we're here now and we're re-recording it the week that it's going to be published. So you're getting this in real time, uh, which is really cool throughout this series. Uh, I, I apologize for the drop in qual in sound quality because we are recording via Skype. I have two guests that are from different parts of the country. And so we are recording on Skype. And so that's going to drop the quality down a little bit. And I do apologize about that. Uh, but the content is no, uh, it, it, the quality of the content has not dropped any. Um, in fact, I think it's, I think it's been improved and these guys uh, have done an excellent job and I'm really excited for you all to hear the conversations that we've had. And so uh, today's the first episode, uh, episode one of What is the Gospel? So welcome, guys, to season two of the New Life Lutheran Podcast, and welcome to What is the Gospel? We're going to dive right in, right off the get-go. I'm going to have these two gentlemen introduce themselves to you. Uh, I'm going to have Daniel do it first since you kind of met him last week, if you listened to last week, so he can kind of give you uh, – his background again, um, and then I'll have uh, Paul introduce himself. So, Daniel, why don't you introduce yourself uh, to the listeners? Who are you? Where are you from? Why are you on this podcast? And uh, and may, just give us something interesting about yourself, something something new that we haven't heard yet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, as Eric mentioned, my name is Daniel uh, Hintz, and um, I and Eric have been uh, podcast collaborators for a couple of years now on some different projects that we have had and um, that. So um, I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation and collaboration here um, with Eric and, and then with Paul as well. But yeah, as Eric said, my name is uh, Daniel Hintz. Um, I bo- am born and raised in the great state of Wisconsin, um, every television show's favorite state when the character is from the middle of nowhere. They're from Wisconsin, <laughs> um, which I can say is pretty accurate, um, having lived here my whole life. Um, yeah, so I currently live in Wisconsin, um, where, like I said, I was born and raised with my younger brother. Um, both of us were homeschooled. We grew up literally in the church because my mother was the church secretary and she homeschooled us. So we were there, you know, three days a week um, for, it seemed like, too long in the day sometimes um <laughs> mother didn't always know when to call it a day um but yeah uh born and raised in the nazarene church um which is kind of an off- offshoot or uh, brother 
um, sibling church to like the Wesleyan or Free Methodist um, theological traditions. And uh, yeah, that's where I am still currently a member. Um, by day, I am a um, personal banker at a credit union. And but <laughs> it doesn't by sound night, that exciting. you're Superman. Yeah. But by night, I am not Superman as much as I wish. Um, no, that's too much responsibility. Um, <laughs> yeah, so by night, I am a podcaster, a thinker, a debater, a reader, a writer, um, and an uh, involved member of my local church. Um, both, I believe strongly in lay ministry and in um, average uh, non-professional Christians doing um, as much as possible um, and not just shirking that responsibility and having your pastor do it, but actually um, taking ownership of the fact that um, my Christian faith is just as, as serious and, and just as needs to be lived out to the same degree that um, you know a pastor or someone who is in full-time ministry. So that's uh, something I, I take very seriously and I'm a firm believer in. And um, as far as how I kind of know Eric and what I'm doing on this podcast, like I said, um, I met Eric when he was a pastor in Wisconsin uh, for a period of time and um, had some collaborations and some um, good conversations that have kind of spilled over into the, the years since then. And it's always a, always a pleasure to, uh, to continue those conversations. All right. Thank you, Daniel. And Paul, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, thanks for thanks for inviting me to do this. Um, Eric. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I'm Paul Wells. Um, I know Eric from college. Um, I can't remember if we actually overlapped or, um, yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. Uh, but I know for sure you and my wife overlapped. Yeah. Um, and then we had mutual, in fact, fun, fun story. You're so my, my now wife at the time, your wife was your wife. Mm -hmm. My wife was not my wife yet. But Sarah um, went to your wife, Rachel, and complimented her on her backpack one day. And then, like, at the end of the school year, I think, or something, Rachel gave Sarah this backpack that she liked. And I think I think, I think your wife was like, well, I don't need it anymore, so you can have it. And we still have that backpack. We still have <laughs> the Rachel Wells Nay Church backpack. That's, that's really funny. I remember that conversation with, with my wife because she's like, do you think that she'll be offended if I offer her my backpack? I'm like, no, it's a backpack. Why would she be yeah. offended? <laughs> no, she loves it and, and it's still in use in a, at our house. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's definitely some overlap there. Um, mm -hmm. some, I think really where Eric and I got connected was through mutual friends pulling us into some conversations on things. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I've always enjoyed Eric's perspective, and I think Eric has seen my perspective change quite a bit over the years. Yeah. Um, so I am I am um, from all over the place. We moved around a lot growing up. Um, I guess I consider Nebraska home. Um, and uh, I I like Daniel was uh, one of those weird homeschool kids. Um, my mom wasn't the church secretary, but she was uh, the worship coordinator for a while. Um, and uh, we went to a Church of Christ, which is all a cappella. And so she would arrange all the music in four part harmonies. And I would wow. sit in her sit in her office. She was in she's only in the office one day a week. 
but we were there from like we were there from like 8 a.m. to like 9 p.m. because we had to wait till worship rehearsal was over. Um, but yeah, so I was raised in and around um, the church, um, kind of always been in those sort of congregationalist Church of Christ um, Christian churches growing up, um, and I still attend a Christian independent Christian church right now. Um, but I would say I probably identify more with um, Reformed theology, which is not really where the independent Christian churches um, or the more congregationalist churches are at, for sure. Um, uh, my current career is uh, I read government regulations all day long, which is just as boring as it sounds. Um <laughs> And I was thinking I had it bad over here, but he won up. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ever pick up, you know, like a pesticide from Lowe's and you see there's like hazard information on the back and you're wondering what nerd writes all this. I'm that nerd. You're the Um, nerd. You are the nerd. And you know what? Nerds like you supplied so much toilet reading before we had phones. That's all I would read. (laughs) Was the backs of the the cleaner bottles and the shampoo bottles? You're welcome. Well, I guess not anymore. <laughs> yeah, not, now now your job's obsolete. Yeah, print is dead. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys. So you know the big thing as we go into this new season, the focus is uh, that you don't need to be an expert. So what I what I want for you guys, uh, for our listeners, is to know that you do not need to be a pastor to have the kinds of conversations that we're having and also to think through some of the things that we're thinking. So uh, you're going to find over the next several weeks, over the next several episodes, that all three of us have much different approaches and have much different – our backgrounds differ very you know, significantly – um, so you're going to find that we all differ a little bit, and uh, that doesn't change uh, the fact that these two guys can can come in as lay people, um, as you know, the, as we cheekily have called it, uh, amateur Christians, right? Uh, as people who are not paid to do ministry um, or to to lead churches, um, that they can have a fulsome conversation and uh and draw a lot of wisdom um from this conversation so that's the so over the next several weeks i hope that you guys see that i hope that that you listeners uh can see that that these are important conversations to have even if you're not um even if you're not formally educated in in those things so i'm really really grateful for these two guys um for their service to the church i remember daniel uh i remember thinking when when we first met, I, I remember thinking, man, that guy needs to be a pastor. Like I remember thinking that, and then you posted on Facebook uh, something about that. Like like somebody asked you that, and and I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but essentially your conclusion was, and, and the way that you responded to them was that you believe that the church needs more lay people, more good lay people, more thoughtful lay people. Um, and I just remember that I thought that was like the coolest response to that, uh, because there is kind of a pressure that like, oh, you take your faith seriously. You should become a pastor <laughs> instead of 
the expectation being that we take our faith seriously. So I appreciate both of you guys for not being pastors, um, <laughs> not only because that would be some stiff competition if you guys were, um, and you would definitely be probably be better at it than I am, um, but also because the church can use um, more thoughtful lay people. So thank you guys for that. So over the next eight episodes, we're going to be talking about the gospel and what the gospel means. Uh, we're going to be reading through a book. We talked about this last week, so we won't dive too deep into it, but we're actually reading a book together uh, by a guy named N.T. Wright. He's a New Testament scholar and, 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 histor- and history scholar out of England. I think he lives in Scotland. And he wrote this book called Simply Good News, which is a clear, concise, popular level book about the gospel and what the gospel is. So as we enter in, before we start talking about the first chapter of the book, guys, we have had at least six. We've had we've had seven conversations uh, about this book in the various chapters. We're recording episode one here at the end. Uh, but looking back, uh, can you guys give me and give our listeners maybe – just like the one, the one sentence definition that N.T. Wright gives. If I were to ask you, what is the gospel? How would N.T. Wright, based on this book, answer that in one to two sentences? You or me, Daniel? I'll fall on this sword. No. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is this is the softball question. They're gonna heat up after a little while. See, we had our practice time through this conversation. Now we're gonna get the the real good stuff. That's right. I'm gonna ramp that debate up. Um, <laughs> That's right. I I'm gonna get my heated debate. <laughs> I deserve it. <laughs> That's why they're all getting corrupted. It's like, no, it's too softball. It's too easy. We need hey, some conflict. Any anything for good content. I will ruin <laughs> friendships in order to get the content. Uh, so I think that broadly speaking, um, the 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 definition that N.T. Wright would give or kind of gives in, in the book for the gospel is um, that it's good news. Um, and specifically, then he defines what good news means, what makes it good and what makes it news. Um, so his definition of news, and we're going to get into this in the first chapter, is something that has happened, that has actually happened, that therefore changes the way things currently are, um, changes your current situation. And the thing that makes it good is, you know, the nature of that news, that because Christ has not only died, but has risen from the dead, the, we are allowed to, and are able to participate in the new creation, in the coming um, you know, the, the now but not yet uh, restoration and redemption of all creation. Um, and I think that that's kind of what he begins painting in, in fairly broad strokes here at the beginning of the book and then getting more and more specific as he goes on um, that really the gospel is good news, but what does it mean for that to be good and what does it mean for it to be news? How would you answer it, Paul? What is the gospel? Yeah, um, so and essentially what Daniel said, the gospel is is good news. It's something that has entered into a previously existing story that changes the direction of that story. Um, and now there is a great sense of hope and there is relief that has happened and full relief that is on that is that is yet to come. Um, and that, of course, is is Christ's resurrection and then his return 
and, and, and renewal and restoration of, of his creation. Um, and, and the good news for us is that we can be a part of that and we can get on board with that, um, and be, uh, members and fellow heirs in that restoration because of, because of what Christ has done in his death and resurrection. So how does, how does that, those, that, that definition of gospel that NT Wright kind of posits throughout this book, you know, looking back now, how, how is that, how is that different or the same from when you came into these conversations first? Mm. You know, how is that the same or different from the definition of the gospel that you guys came in with? Uh, well, I think that if I, if I'd been really pressed, you know, you know, two, three months ago, whenever we started the, these conversations, if you'd really pressed me and said, you know, what is the gospel? What is the good news? Uh, if I'd had enough time to think about it, I probably would have come to about the same point that N.T. Wright is making. It would have taken me a lot longer. I would have been much less eloquent and clear about and it. And you wouldn't have had as good stories or analogies. Yeah, exactly. Like I could have I could have gotten there. Um, but I think what this book does very well is it, it sheds light on things that we take for granted oftentimes as Christians. Um, there is, there is language, like even the word gospel is a word that it's a very Christian-y word. Um, it's, yeah. you know, you're going to see that in the church if you spend any amount of time in the church, but we don't really think about what it means, you know, mm -hmm. or it's like, oh, that's a description. I think he points out in this chapter, like, that's a description for like a type of music, right? Or we just kind of use it as a um, an adjective sometimes to describe something else. Yeah. But when you really think about it, and and like Paul had said, you know, when you when you think about not only the the good news but the context in which that good news happens, you um, you begin to understand. Oh, this this is not just like something I would, you know, think, oh yeah, it's a Christian word, but it is the point, the, the fulcrum upon which all of Christianity and all of human history hinges mm. and, and pivots. Like it is an actual event that actually happened. Um, and it, it changes the way we live. And if we keep that understanding of it, as we're going to kind of unpack here in, in the next conversations, um, if we keep that at the center, then it does change the way you live. If only because it changes the way you think about the world, and then that kind of you know flows into the way we live our lives. Or at least for me, that was um, kind of the biggest uh, takeaway has been it just gave voice to something I probably always thought but didn't know how to express or or succinctly kind of um, wrap my head around. What about you, Paul? Well, how does how does this definition of gospel differ or is similar to the definition that you had coming in? Yeah, yeah, I I really agree. Man, I, I, I gotta start going before Daniel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll choose I'll choose you first. Next time. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> um, I think that what NT Wright does a really good job of of doing is helping to explain that tension that we tend to feel between living a good life and accepting the gospel. Yeah. Um, and um, in that, that sort of dynamic between good news and good advice, where a lot of times we tend to try and 
so before this, before we started doing this podcast, I kept having this thought of like, we're trying to manufacture fruit in that we're going out in the world and we're, and we're looking like, Oh, giving to the poor. Oh, okay. That's, I'm going to, I should do that. That means I'm a Christian because now I've given to the poor or, uh, you pick whatever. That's just an example. And, you know, being a better, being a better parent or being a better husband or whatever it may be. And those things aren't bad in and of themselves. Those are, those are good things. Um, but the fact that you do those is not what makes you a Christian or what saves you. Um, if you are doing those things so that you can obtain eternal life, then you are, you're living off good advice Mm -hmm. and not good news. And I think that's kind of what, you know, I kind of have always felt this tension between the good news and the good advice. And I think what he does a really good job of is sort of fleshing that out and, and, and providing very eloquent words for it. And I really, that, I think that's, that's the, that's the part of it that, um, I haven't stumbled upon much in this book that I would really disagree with or how he talks about the gospel. Um, it's just he gives you a, a really good way to think about it. Good. And over the next eight weeks, eight episodes, I hope that um, you listener, I hope that your own understanding of the gospel um, can be refined in the same way. You know, I had I I had kind of, you know, again, my career is thinking about these things and studying these things. So um, I had read a lot of N.T. Wright and I kind of chose his book because I knew him. So there were a lot of these kind of categories that I had already been thinking about for a while. Um, this particular book helped, you know, as both of you guys mentioned, I think it, I think it just helped the reality of the situation just like become that much more significant and like dig that much deeper into into my 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 heart. This thing really did it really did in fact happen. And that really has that has tangible and immediate urgent effect on my life, which, you know, we'll get to in in a few weeks. But um, that was certainly a a deepening that I had while reading this book, because I read it. I've I've been reading it for the first time with you guys. So I've actually never read this one. Well, good. So what we're going to be doing over the next eight weeks, uh, we're going to be reading N.T. Wright's Simply Good News. There's going to be a link down in the description of this uh, podcast. So if you want to purchase this book, I didn't look today last week when I when I posted when I published the episode uh, episode zero. I think it was like you could pick it up for like five or six bucks um, used on Amazon. Um, So it's not an expensive book. It's a short book, popular level. I encourage you guys to go ahead and purchase it um, to read through with us because I think that you'll find it productive. What we're going to be doing over the next eight weeks is taking this chapter by chapter. And every week we'll start off with an overview of the chapter, a little bit of a book report, if you will. And then we'll start – then we talk about the big um, themes from that chapter and engage with it personally and um, theologically. So it's it's been a great joy over the last several weeks uh, to do this with you guys. And so I'm excited for people to hear our conversations. But let's talk about chapter one. Dan, you're up again, but just because the rhythm of the episode's – Paul, you'll uh, obviously you'll do you'll have it on the next episode. But uh, Dan, this time, give us the overview. Give us the book report. What does N.T. Wright say 
in this chapter. Yeah, well, once again, I'm benefiting from being able to go first because of all the chapters, this one is the easiest to easiest, summarize. Yeah, that's for sure. Like, it's the shortest. It's the just kind of the most. It, it's really establishing kind of the themes that are explored mm-hmm. and the rest of the things. So really, there is one big point that N.T. Wright is making um, in this chapter, and that is that there is a fundamental difference between um, something being news and something being advice. And then what does news mean? Um, so he talks about, um, he uses a lot of different um, examples and anecdotes and stories um, to talk about this difference. Um, but basically it boils down to that news, there are three, um, three facets of what makes news news. Um, and number one is the news assumes a context. It is taking place within a larger story and it's a development in that story in order to understand the news you kind of have to understand the story up to that point right. um, for the, the news to make the most sense. Um, news is also about something that has actually happened. So it is an event that has happened. Um, and then the third thing is it introduces a period of waiting because because of the second thing, something has happened. Therefore, things are different now. And oftentimes that means we have to wait for you know that that new period where um, something has changed, but it's not totally realized yet, or it's not completed yet, or we're not sure what how that affects me yet. And so now we have to wait for, all right, things have changed, but we're still kind of waiting for that. And that, that is where we as Christians in the last 2,000 years have been living, is in this, mm-hmm. this waiting period of this anticipation of, all right, something happened, the world is now different, what's next? Where, when, you know, when is all of this, how is all of this going to shake out and what is it going to look like and how can I prepare myself for it? Um, so kind of the, the big, um, or the major story that he uses to illustrate that is kind of a cultural one from, you know, when Jesus was around, um, with the, the death of Julius Caesar and kind of in the Roman Empire, again, in the context of when, the disciples were talking about good news. What did their audience, what were some of the mental pictures they would have heard about, um, you know, in, in regards to the word gospel? And when Julius Caesar uh, died, there was kind of a civil war in Rome, and um, Octavian uh, ends up kind of winning that and, and defeating um, Mark Anthony and um, becoming the new emperor of Rome. And there is then this proclamation that goes out that Octavian has won the battle. He is the emperor in Rome. But there's still like a couple of years where he's got to go around and kind of clean up some of the uh, the last re- rebellions and, and the last uh, kind of corners of the empire that, you know, are not totally on board with him being the emperor. Mm-hmm. And therefore, all of Rome is just kind of waiting in this anticipation of, all right, Octavian has won. He's the emperor, but he hasn't taken the throne yet. We are not living in a fully realized um, empire at that point. Um, and he kind of says, you know, that is the understanding that the disciples would have had and, and kind of would have been talking about in regards to the good news. Um, and it's a good example of, you know, again, like I said, how we as Christians have been living for the past 2,000 years. So in very broad strokes, that is uh, that is this chapter and the themes that are being highlighted here. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like like you mentioned, Dan, there really is one central theme, one message. And then I think he uses either three or four anecdotes or examples to, to really nail that down. So uh, so, it's, yeah, it is a lot. So, Paul, uh, give us the rundown. Um, you know, Daniel hinted at this advice versus news. There's a difference between good advice and good news. What is that difference and why does that matter? Yeah. So uh, good news or news, if you think about the words themselves, um, good news uh, has the same sort of root as we do with like innovation. And it sort of implies something brand new that is happening. Um, and uh, and advice is not necessarily something that's brand new. Um, so ad- advice is real is rooted in in the Latin word vider, which really means to see something, um, and and it really attempts to illuminate or to provide a new perspective on something that exists. Where mm. um, news is rooted in nova, which is a which is a brand new. Um, in a, uh, it's where we get where, like say words like innovation. Um, it's a brand new thing, and so. Um, uh, you know, good advice is, is more like, Hey, maybe you should try this. Maybe things would mm-hmm. go better for you if you did this. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's in your control, right? Good advice is completely in my control. Mm-hmm. And, and what he talks about in here is that, um, um, good news is something that you have to reckon with. It's outside of you. You, you, you have to, you have to address it in some way. Um, and the example he sort of gives to, 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 uh, make that is he talks about the people who live in Rome after Octavian has beaten Antony. And Octavian isn't there yet, but, but the news comes to Rome that, hey, Octavian has won. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now people have to either explain their allegiance to Antony or, um, uh, they, they can, I guess, kind of rejoice because of their allegiance to Octavian. And, and he explains yeah. that in, um, in Herod, uh, who was the Jewish king at the time. And the way that Herod responded was to say, well, don't think about whose friend I was. Think about how loyal of a friend I have. And, mm-hmm. and what he says, what, what a sleazeball. That guy is such, <laughs> right? like, you, you know, you know, that guy's like a total narc, right? Like, that guy yeah. is such a snitch. <laughs> The, the quote from the book that I highlighted that is after he talks about Herod is good news creates a new situation and calls for new decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, if you think about the idea of like repenting, right, there's not a there's not a part of the gospel that doesn't call us to repent. Right. And as you think about repent is is that complete turnaround. It's a new decision. It's going a different direction altogether. Whereas good advice is just kind of like a, it's kind of tweaking things or, or um, changing. You keep going the way that you're going. Maybe just try something a little bit different. Um, yeah, and I think that he kind of calls out uh, in this chapter and in the following chapter, which we'll get into more next episode. But he kind of calls out this, you know, when when I think most people think about the gospel, I think that they think. Well, Jesus died for my sins so I can go to heaven and not hell, right? That's how they, 
That's how they think about the gospel. And he, he does a really good job of showing how th- if if that's the only thing that the gospel is, then it's really not news. It's advice. Right. It includes right. that something did happen. But really, it's just like, how do you say the magical incantation to get the good life instead of the bad life? Right. At the end of the day, that really comes down to being advice, advice on how to get to heaven so that you can avoid hell. And in fact, I actually heard a preacher say that one time. He goes, uh, he says something along the lines of, of, you know, getting people to heaven is, is cool. That's good. But what we're really trying to do is save them from hell. And it's like, oh, so, you know, in, in that approach, the gospel is really just to avoid punishment. That's all it is. It's just, it's like being Herod, right? Like being the little sleazeball that's like, you're like, you know, cheering for the, you're cheering for the bully, right? And as soon as the bully loses and you're like, oh yeah, you know, this guy's always been, you know, the nerd that beat the bullies. He's awesome, right? I've always been for him. You know, you're just like switching sides for who, mm-hmm. who's ever winning, right? So it really is more like advice um, in that sense. And I that was a pretty challenging thing for me to think through what are my are, – are some of my preconceptions really about advice and not necessarily about news? Um, because – because Jesus, when he when he came onto the scene, and Mark's a great example of this, you know, his first words were repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, and Jesus really saw himself as bringing in a whole new era, and that's also how Paul saw it. It was a, there was a new age that was instituted that's under Christ's rule, and the cross. His death, his resurrection, his ascension play a part in establishing that rule, uh, but they're all just parts of the rule. So really the thing that's happening is the kingdom has come to earth. Um, and it's not just making sure that you're cheering for the right person so that you can go to heaven and not hell. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I think that stems from, in Christian circles, we confuse that because we want to try to make the gospel more palatable. Mm. Right. We we don't want to scare anyone away. So we want to make it seem like it's an easy, you know, kind of manageable thing. It's totally fine. Like and, and we talk about all the benefits of it. Right. Where if you follow the the Christian advice and kind of live your life, you know, we would say wisely or, you know, right. any any of those biblical terms, you know, here's all the benefits. You know, we, right. we point to the book of Proverbs, you know, that just kind of mm-hmm. spells out if you do these things, good things will happen to you. We kind of neglect the book of Job where yeah, yeah, where it doesn't always work out that way. Um, But we turn it into just this kind of this model for how to live your life. Yeah. And as a result, then um, I I always think of in Corinthians when Paul says, um, I did not come to you with eloquence or superior wisdom, but with demonstration of, of the spirit's power. Because when our gospel presentation relies on advice and on just us kind of making a rational or moral case for here's how to avoid hell, here's how to live a happy life, right. um, we're basically just trying to talk people into Christianity yeah. instead of saying, you know, here's an event that really happened. 2,000 years ago, a man died and then of his own power came back to life. And therefore, maybe all of the things that he said prior to that should be paid attention to. Yeah. And the story that he saw himself as a part of, maybe that's all true, too. And, and therefore, 
you need to change the way you are living because the way that you were living is based on a, a reality that is not the real one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's based on a false understanding of the way the world works. And I think, I think the other pitfall of good advice is it presupposes that I have the ability to follow it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you think about the confession that you make when you become a Christian, um, it is that you can't do it on your own right? and that you need Christ to do it for you. Mm-hmm. And so good advice it largely undermines the gospel because it comes back around and says, here's what you can do for yourself. And fundamentally what the gospel says is you can't do it for yourself. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, uh, yeah, that's kind of the crux of the issue is that we, it's, it's easy. Like you said, Daniel, it's easy for us to hear, Hey, here's what you can't do. Right. Right away. Here's what you can do. Uh, instead of hearing the foolishness, here's what's already been done for you, which is interesting. You know, after Peter preaches in Acts two um, to the to the Jewish uh, Jewish visitors in Jerusalem that are from all over, you know, all over the world, you know, they're cut to the heart and they say, what do we do next? And he says, repent and be baptized, which repenting is literally stopping doing right stop Mm -hmm. going the direction that you're going and be baptized which is a receptive (laughs) that's a receptive thing you don't baptize yourself you are baptized by somebody um, who says the words of baptism over you and so it's like immediately you know they say what do we do and he's like stop doing what you're doing and then receive something like it, it just it sounds so foolish and when it comes to like public speaking and uh, the, the, the theories around public speaking and being a, uh, a good public speaker, you always want a call to action and the gospel is decisively not a call to action. It's, it's a declaration of an event. It's a declaration of a thing that's been given to you. Um, and that's a huge, like, that's a huge emphasis in Lutheranism is that it's the, the spirit is given by the word, by the proclamation of, of the word to your ears. Which is, uh, like, like you kind of hinted at, Eric, a big talking point in the next chapter is kind of, well, this is, that's crazy. <laughs> like, well, yeah. that's not the way the world operates. Right. If you want to launch, you know, a successful um, motivational speaking career, you don't do it by saying, stop doing what you're doing and let someone else help you. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's not what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it really throws into contrast how different the uh, Christian gospel is than any other religion. You know, I, um, I think I shared this the first time we recorded this episode. And if not, and if I actually <laughs> shared it on a later episode, I apologize. You're going to hear it twice. Um, but I was having a conversation with some coworkers um, about like different religions and, and that. And, and one of them asked me, um, you know, why, why do I believe in Christianity? And do I think that other religions, you know, is there anything good about, you know, other religions? And I was like, well, I mean, I think that as, as advice, as, you know, ways of living your life, there are some good ideas in some other religions. 
and certainly, you know, there's there's some good, um, you know, teaching to follow and, and things that will, you know, make for good societies and happy happy people. But the difference with Christianity is that it's true. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's based on an actual historical event that actually happened. Right. And it's it's not just um, you know like Buddha and you know his teachings about how to you know achieve enlightenment. Mm-hmm. It's based on a man who came back to life. Right. Which has never been done, you know, you know, of his own power, which had never been done in, you know, all of history before or right. since. And so fundamentally, the way that you understand Christianity has to be different than all other religions because it is making a different claim. Mm-hmm. It is not saying, try this advice out and, you know, see how that works for you. Right. It is saying, here's something that actually happened. Right. What are you going to do with that? Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it makes me think a lot about how um, because we live in very much a good advice culture, you know, you can see that that theology creeping into so much of the way that we view situations in the world. Yeah, big time. And yeah, and you know, so we're in a time right now, right, where where there's all that all the racial mm-hmm. tension. And you see it on both sides of that issue, or I don't want to say both sides of that issue because that makes it sound like there's a there's a pro racism side that's a good yeah. place to be. <laughs> but you see it on people who approach that problem from different perspectives. Maybe that's right. a better way to say it. Right. Um, and you know, I can't get this this meme that I've seen out of my head, where it's a it's a picture of a of the sheep pen, and it's got all these different posters in it of of you know all lives matter and things like that and then hanging off the cliff is um the as a, a black lives matter sheep and it's like jesus left the 99 to go mm-hmm. find the one right and the, and the idea right of that cartoon is to get somebody to well you should reach out towards that lost sheep you should go join that movement that's the one that's on the cliff and without saying whether, you know, Black Lives Matter is a good thing or not, that theology of putting yourself in the place of Christ and oh, going wow. out and doing that thing is fundamentally very flawed. And it's putting us in the position of God. And that's what that's what good advice does yeah. is it puts us in the position of God, because re- really, if you think about if you think about that logically, what that's what that cartoon is saying is that everybody in the pen is saved and the black lives matter people are the ones that aren't saved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and that's like, that's not at all what they're trying to say, but because yeah, they've right. interpreted this good news or this good advice gospel, instead of looking at it as good news, something that you have to, it, it's a fact, something you have to reckon with. It's not something you have to go do. Right. Um, it, it warps and it changes the way that we actually interpret scripture. Right. Because then it really does become all about me and, mm-hmm. and my own little, uh, my own little system of salvation, right? Whatever, whatever salvation, however I've interpreted it, uh, mm-hmm. which, it, you know, for right or left, um, you know, some extreme fundamental churches, and churches that are, are very liberal do this. It, you kind of have these like virtue signals, 
where right. you say, where do you fall on this issue or that issue? Or are you part of this in group or this out group? Like it, you kind of create these boundaries um, that are all that don't really have that much to do in the minds of the people with the with the action of Jesus. It really comes down to uh, interpreting the morality of scripture a particular way and applying that morality and then using it as a way to judge others, which is ultimately where advice takes us of just like self justification. And then the temptation to like, I'm going to ignore this portion of scripture or I'm going to twist it so that it doesn't, doesn't say what it actually says. And I'm going to cling onto these things because we have, my group has these things down. Um, and so we're going to amplify those moral teachings and we're going to kind of reduce the other moral teachings. Um, and it really becomes a way of justifying ourselves and, and showing who's in and who's out um, of, of the group of heaven, you know, is ultimately what that leads to. And that's, that's exactly what the book of Galatians is really about, mm-hmm. right? Is that the Judaizers are coming in and they're, they're laying down all these virtue signals or these laws that people need to right. need to obey and follow. Right. And Paul coming in saying, do you guys not realize that at one point in time you accepted me openly and now you're slandering me and rejecting yeah. me? The the person who brought you the good news right. because of this other stuff. And, it, and it's that sort of that that really judgmental, that judgmental perspective and, and, and drawing lines that the Bible doesn't draw. things that into your right really focuses on in this chapter is and, and and daniel i think i think you mentioned it when you were doing the overview of the chapter uh is the fact that good news really only makes sense in the context of a wider story uh that it that it really needs it needs context for the news to be for the news to even be news uh so like when I see somebody on social media that I really don't know that well, when I see them have a baby, yeah, that's great. But it's not like I'm super excited because I don't, you know, if I don't know them, then I don't know them. Right. I, I, I don't, there's no context for me to be like, Oh, these people would be amazing parents because, you know, I have this history with them. Um, and an example he gave uh, was when the English rugby team won the 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 world cup and i actually have a similar story that i'll share uh which is when the royals won the world series in 2015 my wife and i were living in richland center wisconsin which is where i met daniel and we went to this little uh uh this little bowling alley and sports bar to watch the games we we, we didn't have we don't have a tv uh or cable or anything like that so we went to watch it at the sports bar and it was a Sunday evening at the same time as a Packers game. And so th- it was like this Packers game did not matter. 
it was not important. And this is the World Series we're talking about. And they had no televisions with the World Series on. And so we actually had to ask for them to turn one of the televisions to the World Series because every single television was playing the Packers game. And so we we watched the we watched the whole game. I think it was game five. We watched the whole game. They won. We were super excited. Um, and nobody cared in that room at all, except for us. So for my wife and I, who are from Kansas, uh, I'm from the Kansas City area. I was born there, raised outside of there. It was a huge deal, right? That, that the Royals finally won World Series after 30 years, but nobody else in that room understood. And it was be, and so they didn't have the context for that story. They didn't have the context for the good news that the Royals won the World Series. Um, so they just didn't care very much. Uh, but that's one of his big emphasis was, is that there's a story behind this good news that is given. And so, Paul, because I picked on Daniel early on, I'm giving you the, the ball again first. Um, what is the story that N.T. Wright's talking about, that Jesus broke in and it's good news in the context of the story? What is that story? So that's the story of, of creation in the, in the fall in the nation of Israel as the seed of Abraham, just continually over and over and over again. Even though they're God's chosen people, even though he's given them you know, the manual for the way to live, just time and time again, they fall and they keep falling back into their old same ways. Um, you know, and you just look back. God created a perfect world and put people in it. Um, and, and we sinned and we fell. And then from that point on, it's just been again and again and again, these, these examples of how, um, we're hopeless and we can't do it on our own. Um, and you know, you see that in, um, in Cain and Abel, right? Um, and then you see that, um, you see that at the Tower of, of Babel. You see that before the flood. Um, that's not in chronological order. I understand that. Um, <laughs> you see that with, with King David, who is called a man after God's own heart, but yet he commits adultery and murder. Um, you see that in King Solomon, who is the wisest man to ever live, right? Um, and, and yet uh, he's, he's drawn away later in his life and worships idols. Um, so it's just this constant, it's just this constant God is faithful despite our shortcomings. And you just see this, basically this giant story of what our shortcomings really are. Um, and, and Christ breaks into that, into his creation and, and starts that restoration, that, that renewal of his creation. Yeah, and, and that, you know, the arc of the Old Testament and, and all of Scripture is that, you know, God chooses a, a subset of people, like for no reason, for no merits of their own. Right. You know, he, he says, he cho- Jacob, Jacob he loved, but Esau he hated. Why? I don't know, because Jacob was like a jerk and a trickster and like yeah. not a nice guy. Yeah. But God's like, nope, I'm going to choose you. Um, yeah. And then he chooses... Um, you know, the, the, the tribe of Judah who there's some weird stuff going on there with like, oh, yeah. all, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, and he, he continues to just, he chooses 
the, the tribe of Israel, he chooses these people not because of what they are bringing to the table, but because God just wants to demonstrate his love and, and, yeah. and is choosing the least um, of these in a lot of cases. And so you get then to, you get to the gospel, you get to, to Christ, and it's like, okay, um, you know, here is a nation, here is a, a human race that has rejected me at every turn. There is nothing that they have done that has like worked out or been faithful or anything like that. I'm going to choose not just a specific nation. I'm going to bring my salvation. I'm going to bring this restoration and recreation to the whole world. Um, not because of anything they've done, but because mm-hmm. I'm God and I love people. I love the world and that's what I want to do. Um, and you know, it, like you'd kind of talked about Eric with, you know, kind of the, that's a very Lutheran understanding of it's not that we are bringing, uh, right. something to the table here of like, yeah, I've really achieved things for God. <laughs> it is mm-hmm. by his grace and his mercy alone, um, yeah. that, that Christ has been sent as that sacrifice. And yeah, it's, it's so fundamental to, you know, understanding not just like, yeah, the Bible stories that we hear in Sunday school, but like, what is what is the arc of scripture like what is the the overall storyline that is being accomplished and how is it kind of building on itself and and iterating and changing um and kind of developing that story until you get to jesus and all of a sudden it's like oh yeah there is the perfect messiah figure there is the guy that we thought david was and that we thought solomon was and that we thought all the kings were here he is finally he and and he's actually the one we were looking for, and he's not just right. another failed king. Yeah, you said surprised, and it made me think of a time that um, I was in. I don't know. This was wow, God. This was probably eight years ago, something like that. We were in a Sunday school class, and we were supposed to go around the table and say, "What What do you think God would say to you if if he if you and him had a conversation right now?" Um, I don't remember my answer. I remember the answer of the guy that went before me, though, and he said, quote, I think God would be surprised at how far I've come. <laughs> nice. But really, I mean, we, we laugh at that. But, right, that's the perspective that good news gives us. Or good, sorry, not good news. I keep mixing those up. Good advice gives us on the broader context. Yeah. Right. That it, yeah. it's like, Oh, and, and it, and it, it causes us to identify with the heroes of the stories in the old Testament instead of the villains or, or the bumbling idiots or in the old Testament, the heroes and yeah. make them more heroic than they actually were. Right. 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 A lot of and we would probably benefit a lot more if we spent time identifying with Saul rather than, David yeah. or with David's shortcomings than we do with David's successes successes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I like to I like. One of my biggest pet peeves is when people talk about the old, old test characters being heroes, heroes of the faith. Um, because I, and I, I, I tell my congregation this, there's only one hero in the old Testament and that's God. Everyone else sucks. Like literally every other character is a gigantic pile of trash, except for except for like three women 
which I'm just going to say that and leave that out there in the airwaves, um, that in general, everybody is horrible, right? Every single character in the Old Testament is extremely flawed and fails every step of the way. And God shows his faithfulness to this people, just like you mentioned, Daniel, um, to this group of people, despite their constant failing. And I think you're right on, Paul, that like this, we, we take the good advice. We, we take the good advice lens and then we put it onto the Old Testament, the story of Jesus. And what we end up doing is making them heroes making the bad guys the heroes in the story. Um, we make Jacob a hero, even though he's terrible. We make Abraham a hero, even though he's terrible. We make David a hero, even though he's terrible. And the sins of the characters in the Old Testament far outweigh any successes they might have. Um, and the point is that um, God is on their side, uh, and I think God, in fact, chooses some of the people simply because it's so backwards. Uh, like with Jacob and Esau, like I think that's the point of that story is that God is like, I'm going to use the most devious, reckless, dumb, dumb I can find. <laughs> and I'm going to make him the honored one. And I'm going to make his big buff Jason Momoa brother the I'm going to make him the loser in this situation. You know, uh, that's, I think that's the point of that story. And so without that context, it doesn't make the, the gospel doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. Even if you think about the characters that made it onto the, into the transfiguration in Moses (laughs) and Elijah. Yeah. Right. I mean, Moses sinned to the point that he wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. Yeah. You know, and so uh, even even the, you know, the saints of old yeah. had some had some pretty significant, oh, big some serious flaws. OK, news and advice. We've kind of teased out some of that. What are your what are your major impressions of this chapter um, as we close our close our time together? Well, I think it's interesting reading, rereading this chapter and talking about it, having now read most of the rest of the book. Um, because I think the first time we read this, we were kind of like, all right, I'm kind of interested to see where this goes. Like this first chapter, it's not saying a lot, but you know, now that, now that I've seen that develop, um, I, I do think this is a good, this is a, a good starting place for the book. It's a, it, N.T. Wright was wise when he made this his first <laughs> chapter, which should come as no surprise. It's almost like, um, it's almost like he's a best-selling author and an incredibly, gifted savant like in biblical studies mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's weird um we are we are definitely improving his text by the three of us just talking <laughs> yeah. about it he's gonna uh, he's gonna listen to this podcast for okay. version two of this book for in, sure nt right if you're <laughs> listening to this podcast i love you will you be my dad <laughs> if, if you need three if you need three um Middle class white guys to write the foreword to the next edition. <laughs> let us know. Yeah, if you could please finally give us a voice. Three white guys. We need we need a voice in this country and in these conversations. So if you could please, thank you. But, but no, I, I do think 
um, this really sets the sets the stage for the whole rest of the book because I think if once you grasp this idea that the gospel is news and it's not just advice, um, like I think you can kind of start to see then where where things are going to go from there and and where what the ideas that are, are really going to um, maybe start kind of hitting hitting home in, in future chapters um, why they matter. And, and the repercussions that this idea has. But I think you, if, if you were reading this chapter, if you were listening to this discussion and you're like, well, I'm not totally convinced, I don't think the rest of the book is going to make a whole lot of sense sure, to you right. because this is yeah. just so core to, um, you know, shaping the way that we think about the gospel and understanding, right. you know, how it applies to our lives. Yeah. And if, and if you are, you know, if you're listening and you're just not super sure what to think, about about this distinction between advice and news um as you listen to the rest of these episodes um i would encourage you to just like suspend your belief a little bit and um lean into that idea uh at least so at least so that nt Wright and and as we talk about his book we can kind of fill out that idea a little bit more uh you know i definitely remember you know at first you know, we were just like, oh, yeah, this is good. This is cool. You know, we talked about some of the implications, but like this conversation we've just had was way better than that initial mm-hmm. recording. And it's because we've had time to kind of fill out the idea and think about the implications. So um, even if you're not totally bought in to that distinction, um, just give it give it its time. And if you come to the end and you're still not still not sure, that's fine. But at least like give entertain the idea. Uh, because the you know NT Wright definitely fills in some of those questions as as we go along. I think one major I don't I don't say I won't say major I don't know a development. We'll see whether it's mm-hmm. major or not. Um, for me, throughout this process, um, and it's not just this. It's been in conjunction with a couple other things um, that I've been reading at the um, and and kind of thinking about. But the idea of the Bible as a story. So something's happening in the larger context of the story. And I think cerebrally, I knew that the Bible was a, Mm. was a story. Um, but in reality, I treated it more like a refrigerator manual. Yeah. In that, um, I go to my refrigerator manual when something's not working with my fridge. Yeah. Right. And I need to fix something that's going on with my fridge. Um, and so the implication of that is I have my U version verse of the day and I think that I've read the Bible. Yeah. Um, the Bible is a story. And can you name a single story that would make any sense if you read it one sentence at a time right. or one paragraph no. at a time? And so in order to really grasp what's going on with the gospel, and this has been true in, in my life, as I have read through the Bible, not just once, but multiple times, it starts to make sense because it is a complex, long story stretching yeah. over millennia. Right. And it's not, it's not something that is, is designed. Sure, you can sit down, you can read a little bit, and, and the word of God never returns void. Right. But it is a it, it is a story, and it needs to be read right. in in large chunks at a time, just like you would 
any other story. The difference is that this one is real and the, and the implications are internal, are eternal. Um, and I think that's something that, that this book has really helped, um, where it talks about good news entering into a story. Yeah. Is really engaging with the story of the Bible. Um, and not, you know, we talk about Bible stories and like, oh, here's a little story that teaches a lesson or here's a little story that teaches a lesson. But the Bible itself as a complete story from beginning to end. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's all and it's all pointing to Jesus. You know, that's my that's my big thing. That's the thing that I harp on um, when it comes to, to reading the Bible and when I preach is that it's all pointing to Jesus. And if you want to learn more about that, um, just another plug for another book Um Go, go to Amazon and buy the Jesus Storybook Bible. It is a by Sally Lloyd-Jones. It's a children's Bible. And it is honestly, it is the, the theology, the biblical theology of that Bible is of, of how she writes the stories and, and tells those stories and points them to Jesus is far superior to most of the preachers and writers that I have read that have degrees and do it professionally right so it is it has been probably one of the best books of biblical theology i have ever read um we we got it as a gift uh from from a family friend when we had augustine and it is amazing we're on our third time through it with our kids yeah it's it's it really is amazing and there have been there have been a couple times where i have been asked to do devotions for something and, you and just I have just, that. I have just read a section and people yeah. give you, people give you weird looks when you pull out this kid's, this kid's but, Bible. But it, yeah, I, I fully, here's a, a Calvinist and a Lutheran getting on the same page about oh, something that is, that Jesus yeah. Storybook Bible is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Sally Lloyd Jones. That is a must read. That is on my must read <laughs> list for every Christian. Even non-Christians, just to understand what the Bible's doing, um, you you all should read it. The only thing that she really gets wrong is surprise, surprise, here from a Lutheran, uh, the Last Supper. She she gets it wrong about the sacraments, but other than that, <laughs> other than her adding, I can't remember how she phrases it, but she adds the word like or represents. Other than her addition of that, her egregious addition of that, which I've actually just, I've actually just, uh, I've crossed those words out. Like I've crossed those, like, but I can't remember what word it is, but that qualifier, I've crossed it out in, in our copy of the story, Jesus storybook Bible, but it, it's really, really good. Um, so I encourage you guys to read, read through that, um, even as an adult. All right. Well, good, guys. Um, that's all I have. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Paul, for having this conversation again. Uh, I'm super excited for people to listen to this series. Um, go ahead and uh, subscribe to the podcast if you if you do subscribe. Um, if you stream, uh, that's fine. Subscribe anyway because it makes our numbers look good and it gets the algorithm up. Um, if you can, please uh, also go to iTunes 
or Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Um, again, those reviews help um, aggregate our podcast up higher. Um, we're we're doing pretty well. We don't have a whole lot of reviews, but I think just because our episode numbers, the consistency, um, we're you know when you look up Lutheran, we're we're up there. We're near the top of the search um, options. Uh, but that's really going to help us expand our listener base if you leave a positive review. Um, and so if you like it, go ahead and do that. If you don't like it, leave a positive review anyway and say something nice about um, something totally random. It'll still make our uh, it'll make our, our podcast reach more people. So um, go ahead and do that for me. That'd be uh, huge. Um, go back and listen to past episodes. We have lots and lots of episodes from season one. Um, again, we are just starting season two. And Daniel, you gave me – oh, no, Paul, you gave me an idea talking about reading reading a story one sentence at a time. I think what we should do for season three of the New Life Lutheran podcast is take 20 years and read the Lord of the Rings trilogy one sentence at a time <laughs> <laughs> and just discuss it one sentence at a time. It is funny because there is a, some of the podcasts I listen to, there is a burgeoning, um, they call it the movies by minute podcast. Oh, nice. Where they watch like a movie, like one minute at a time and then record like a 20 minute episode talking <laughs> about the one movie, the one minute they just watched of the movie. So you could be onto something there, Eric. That's a great idea. One sentence at they, a time. Yeah, and we're, I think I think just swing for the fences. Just start with Lord of the Rings, and that's the only one you'd ever do. You'll spend a lifetime yeah, reading it sentence by sentence. Well, and if you get through that, then maybe jump into like War and Peace or some of the Russian. Yeah, there you go. So you know, yeah, you you can do something light after yeah. after Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate you guys so much. Be safe out there. Um, continue to pray for our world. Uh, for our country, for um, our culture, uh, as we are in um, this moment of crisis. Um, we know that Jesus Christ is king, uh, that he is victorious, um, that we have victory in him, and uh, this world is not our home. So we can um, be praying for and working for um, justice and peace in our world uh, while also doing it in a loving way that is uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit and guided by the Holy Spirit. So uh, remember that, guys. Um, I love you guys so much, and uh, thank you for listening. Daniel and Paul, thanks for thanks for jumping in today. We appreciate you guys. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you later. Dropping what you